Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. If you have a Bible, turn to the book of 2 Kings. It's staying in the Old Testament. Last week I was in the Old Testament, and I'm hoping this morning to bless you today with a reading from God's Word. I actually love the story. It, you know, this, these stories are kind of, um, I think all the stories in the Bible are phenomenal, even the, even the bad ones, because it's, 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 it's salt and peppered with the grace and goodness of God. You know, uh, the, the one narrative you get out of the Bible is how miserable we are and how wonderful he is. And, um, and he is wonderful in every way. And he's a, he is a God of compassion and, uh, and, and forgiveness. Amen. Now, Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria. Chapter 5, thank you. Thank you, my dear Andy. You are forever like the Holy Spirit. Reminding me. Help me redefine words. I am indebted to you, truly. Second Kings chapter 5, reading from verse 1. Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because of him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back the captive young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel and said, now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you that you may heal him of leprosy. As it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him from his leprosy? Therefore, please consider how he seeks to a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent, the king, sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal him of the leprosy. Are not the Anaba and the far, far the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servant came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down, dipped seven times in the Jordan, to the, uh, uh, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and was, he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, 
he and all his aides, and came and stood before him and said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now therefore, please take a gift from your servant. And he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Naaman said, Then if, if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in, in this thing may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the temple of Rimon to worship when he leans on my hand and I bow down in the temple of Rimon. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. So he said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him a short distance. But Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, the man of God said, look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian while not receiving from his hand what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, is it well? Is all well? And he said, all is well. My master sent me saying, indeed, just now two young men of the sons of the prophets have come from the, the mountains to Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So Naaman said, please take the two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to the servant. And they carried him off ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hands and stored them away in the house. And he let the men go and they departed. Now he went in and stood before his master, Elisha, who said to him, Where did you go, Gehazi? He said, your servant did not go anywhere. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? It is, time, is it time to receive money and to receive, receive clothing and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous as white as snow. May God bless the reading this morning, and may we be blessed in his presence, amen, and may Jesus get all the glory in this house today, amen. 1 Corinthians 1, 27-29 says, But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. The bare things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, hallelujah, that no flesh would glory in his presence. Hallelujah. Nobody is going to stand before him and say, I am here because I was better than someone else. I am here because I helped the old ladies cross the road and I blessed myself passing a church and I paid a tithe and I did some good deeds and I was better than Mary and I was stronger than John. Oh, friends, no flesh will boast in his presence. Hallelujah this morning. Only one will get glory. I love this story because obviously this is the story of parents that brought their child up the right way. Moms and dads, listen to me. More than paying bills, and that's important. And more than putting a roof over their heads, and that's important. Jesus said, the man that does not provide for his family is worse than the unbeliever. But I believe he's on about spiritual provision, friends. Amen. 
That's what he's on about. Not just about food and clothing, spiritual provision. Something was put into this girl at the youngest of ages. We can read over her. Sometimes we don't even know her name. We know of Naaman, but we don't know of her. We know of Spurgeon, but we don't know of Mary Knight, who led him to the Lord. Okay, who knows of Mary Knight, the Sunday school teacher? Uh, you know, sorry, the, the woman that taught him his, his, his theology. But you know, this little girl, we don't know her name, but heaven records her. Amen. She's taken. Now, I, I, wanted, I want you to cast your mind back. This is a medieval time. This is a time when there's no human rights, there's no standards. These marauders come in and they, 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 they ransack her village, possibly kill her family. More than likely, that's what happened. And took her captive. You can imagine the trauma upon this child. You know, she's taken out of her land into another land that speaks a different language. So she's having to adapt. She's having to survive. But there's something in the very core of this child, friends. The Bible is true when it says, Bring, teach a child in the ways of the Lord. And when you were old, they will not depart from it. But this child wasn't even old. <laughs> she just never departed. All she knew was the presence of God. All she knew was that there is a God in, in heaven. And there's a God over Israel. And so she, that faith kept her in the most foulest of times. I say to you all this morning, what would befall your children? What would befall your children? Should God take you or me from my families and leave them on their own to fend in this world? Where is their anchor? How well have they been moored to the truth of God? But this girl, there's something about it, you have to smile. I think it's a story. I think Mel Gibson or someone needs to take hold of this one because I think there's a beautiful story here of a little evangelist in the middle of the enemies of God. The Syrians were the arch enemies at this time, always fighting with Israel and, and always picking fights, always skirmishing around the borders, taking border towns and, oh, and Israel would emancipate them and then they'd take them back again. And this was always the way between these two nations. And this little girl knows nothing other than Christ Jesus and him crucified. Something of the true God of heaven came into her heart at the very youngest ages. You don't know what she abused herself. You can only imagine, friends, it was not a kindly word. It was not what she saw was enough to traumatize anybody, but she had a faith. It tells me that if we, if we see faithful men and women in this house, they will produce faithful children. Amen. And it tells me, friends, no matter what happens, no matter what attack from the enemy, whether we should be taken out of the situation or whether our children should be taken from us, they will be anchored to the rock. Hallelujah. And that is something that is so important for us to remember. Something that's so important for you, Christian, because we are, we're, there are shifting sands everywhere. This world is quickly turning against the church, quickly turning against the gospel but the just shall live by faith and what a faith this young one had her faith was full of conviction she had a knowledge she knew but she also had a conviction some of them have just a knowledge but they have no conviction well they know who he is but they can't stand and speak for him they can talk about him but they can't talk for him she's already preaching as a child her faith was full of conviction you contrast that to the to Jerome's, the king of Israel he was religion with, religious with no conviction the king of Israel had seen mighty deliverance at the hand of Elisha time and time again. You know, Elisha was reading the mail, you could say, of the king of Syria. He, he knew what was going on in the court. The Holy Spirit was giving him insight to the maneuvers of the enemy. And here's this man, he's religious, all right, but he's no real conviction. He's not, no, you know, but this young girl, the circumstances she finds herself are not voluntary. It's not something that you want. It's not something you want to see for anybody. Violently taken by force to this foreign land. And she finds herself in the home of this wealthy, influential man called Naaman. 
the captain of the host of the king of Syria. This was a man of valor. And actually, in fact, his, his name is a Hebrew name, which is strange. I've not gone on the rabbit hole of that, but there's something in his lineage that may have even been linked. And maybe he's a backsliding Jew. Who knows what he is? But he is the captain. He's a national hero. He's a, he's a success, successful career soldier. You know, so much in his life. You know, anybody would have looked at him as a name and has got it together. He is the respect and love of the king. The nation loves him. He is elevated among the soldiers. He's the highest in the rank. He is such a guy that the king would risk a war with Israel to see him healed. On this distinguished man, fortune seemed to have lavished her utmost favor. High in rank, great in honor, successful, distinguished. For personal bravery, Naaman had wealth, honor, and favor, everything that men covet. But Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Yeah. Yet among all that, he was a leper, slowly dying, getting to a stage where it's becoming obvious. And even his troops and his king that loved him would have to segregate him from the rest of his people because he would become contagious. This, that spoiled everything. That was the cross in his lot, the sourness in his cup, the worm at the end of his prosperity. I want to tell you this morning, listen to me, he builds too low, he who builds beneath the sky. So Naaman's life is crashing down. This cross of death was going to be a mercy in disguise. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, friends, everything in this world is a mercy from God. Everything is to turn your attention away from, from soul destruction, eternal destruction, to turn you back to the living hope of heaven. Yes. I want to tell you, you might be facing awful circumstances watching online here this morning, and my pity goes towards you, my prayers would be for you, but I want to tell you, all things work together for the good for those who love God. Right. And even for those who don't love God, he sends it in, friends, as to ask questions, to ask questions where it's going. At the end of the day, Naaman had to ask questions. Is this it? I've risen to the top ranks. I, I, I'm loved by everybody. But I want to tell you, one day, some vagabond is going to wear his shoes. And he knows it. The second-hand clothes store is going to get his bits and pieces. And it will be a memory that will fade and nobody will remember. Within 20, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, no one is even going to mention his name. He knows it, friends. He's to the height. But there is working in him a death all the time. And that's the same with all men. You may not think you have leprosy or some sort of disease that's going to kill you, but I want to tell you, there's a death working inside in every man and every woman. Hallelujah. There's a death of your very being, friends. Every day is a day less that you're going to have and a day closer to that final day. And there's something raging within you. No matter how high you gain in this world, you eventually have to stop and it starts to go down the other side. I remember a dear sister gave me a birthday card for my 50th birthday. And I still vividly remember, of all the words I remember the picture the most, and it's a snail slowly going up this mountain. Doom, 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 doom. And at the top of the mountain is 50, and then it's, ooh, the other side. His grief brought him under the notice of this Hebrew girl. Naaman was one who, was, who would eventually say, as David said in Psalm 119, 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, he was going to be able to say, 
I want to tell you that whatever affliction you're under today, you can turn it. You can see it turned. You can see it moved, friends. You can be able to stand. If it's your last breath, you can say, it is good what God's done to me. He's good all the time. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, death has swallowed up in victory. There is a God who overarches every circumstance, who's bigger, who's wider, who's stronger. You cannot escape his presence. You may flee to the uttermost parts of the world, friends, and even there his right hand is with you. You may descend into the very oceans, and even there his hand is under you, friends. I want to tell you there's no escaping. People talk about a godless, a godless world that doesn't exist, friends, or a godless place that doesn't exist because he's everywhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no godless place. There's no God-forsaken place, friends. He is everywhere and ready to listen, ready to hear. The, even the heart, the smallest cry, the silent cry from Wednesday night. Stephen's old rock band, the silent cry. I remember them, Steve. You have to listen to Wednesday night to hear that one. That were the days when Pastor Steve had long hair like a hippie. And the rock band was called the silent cry, but God hears the silent cry. He hears the silent cry. Hallelujah. And he would say, it is good that for me that I have been afflicted. How often crosses and trials you know, are overruled for our good. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. I said they're overruled for our good. Yes. It comes against you like a wave. It comes against you like a tsunami. You feel like there's no way through the situation. But I want to tell you that God is for you today. This young, Hebrew girl, this young Hebrew girl, she sowed her little gospel message. Christian, would you be ready? Would you be ready this morning? Would you be ready when you leave here to sow that little message? You know, she was no orator. She was no theologian. She was no bigwig. She was not, she's not ordained. She's not even trained officially. But she sowed her little gospel message. If only my master were with the prophet in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. Oh, <laughs> oh I want to tell you, listen, you don't think you have a voice, you have a voice. I, even in our own house here at Cork Church, I've seen people who are not the theologically the strongest. Love God. They're not weak in, in morality-wise. They love God, but not, they, they can't put it all together in theology. But I see them bringing people into church. Just across a cup of coffee, I go to a prayer group. Oh, do you? Would you like to come? And all of a sudden, this stranger walks in with them. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, we pray for the sick at our church. Why don't you come on in? Someone's going to pray for you. God could heal you, you know. I, I just love it, friends. You have a voice. I have a voice. It's amazing when we use it, friends. It is the grace of God going into an awful situation. It's a lifeline to someone mentally and emotionally. It might not even be physical need, friends. There's so much anxiety in this world today. So much pain. So much uncertainty. And men and women bring it home to their houses and they're captivated by fear. And you are that voice. You are that young girl. You are that merry knight to Spurgeon. You know, it might be someone else that scores the touchdown. Someone else, it might be Pastor Nick says the sinner's prayer. But you said, you know what? You go to court church. You'll hear a word from God for your life. God will speak to you. Amen. I want to tell you, friends, she sowed her gospel message. And it hit Naaman. You know what? what? What commander would ever go in before his king on the word of a child? There was something about this kid, man. There's something about this child. I just, you know, I've read the story many times over. But there's something about it. There's a conviction. There mightn't be, intellectual, there mightn't be an intellectual, intellectual grasp of everything. But there's a conviction. 
And I'm telling you, friends, that conviction was so, so solid that it affected Naaman. And he went in before his king. And he said, listen, my, my little handmaid to my daughter, to my wife, she, she just told me a story. And you can imagine the king is, you know, we don't get all the narratives. The Bible would be a very, very big book if we got all the narratives. Come on, but use your collective imaginations there. There is a conversation all the way through these. There is walking from point A to point B. There's millions of talks and conversations. These are synopsises of what's happened. So you can imagine, there's a, they would have been a to and fro. A kid told you? Are you sure, man? I mean, we, be, you know, we can cause a big stir here with Israel and a lot of people will lose their lives, you know. But I'm prepared to lose it. I'm prepared to do that for you, Naaman. But there's something about this child, her conviction. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. And I see my grandchildren and my children. And I tell you, the more and more I live, I love seeing them educated. I love seeing them growing and prospering. But I much, 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 much more love to see them go in their faith. Amen. Go on in Christ. And to, and to declare them and own them. I, I, I said it and I would say to my grandchildren, I don't care if you sweep the streets for a living. It's a good living. It's a noble job to do. I don't care. People might despise you for it. I don't care if you don't amount to anything in the world. I hope you do, but that doesn't matter. What matters to me is that you know him. Let a man not boast in his strength or his power or his wealth, but let him boast in this that he knows me. And that is the greatest thing we can ask for. I want to see for our families that they would know the Lord. Hallelujah. Naaman had everything but never knew the Lord. He was facing a one-way road, one road, friends, and that was to destruction. And he knew everything he had was going to go. And he's wise enough to know even afterwards, even if God heals you, it's going to go anyhow. Eventually, you're going to decay in this world. And the king sends a letter. Unbelieving Jeroboam reads it. And, uh, you know, again, the prophet hears about it. People have their preconceived ideas about religion, of course. Surely there must be a method or a ceremony attached to this gospel. Naaman goes, of course, the king of Israel. He nearly faints when he reads the letter. Unbelieving king. But nonetheless, Elijah hears about it. And I want to tell you there's still a God in heaven this morning. We might have unbelieving pastors and I can suffer from that myself. Maybe you can suffer, but I want to tell you there's a God in heaven. Hallelujah. He's able to answer your need. Yes. He does it very simply. Yes. It's not convoluted. It's not the educated friends get into the kingdom. They can get into the kingdom. But it's not about education. Not many of you are wise according to the standards of this world. Not many of you are from mobile backgrounds. But nonetheless, the king, there was, there's this gauntlet put down. And uh, he comes... Naaman comes and knocks at the door of Elisha. Surely you must do this or that for something to happen. The Jews rejected their master because he was a root out of dry ground. They rejected Christianity because its spiritually unceremonial worship did not accord with their sensuous ideas. And many today reject the gospel because it does not accord with the spirit of the age. It's not sufficiently intellectual. It's not sufficient, sufficiently philosophical or aesthetical. But I want to remind you this morning as God says, my ways are not your ways. Yes. Neither are my thoughts your thoughts, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts, says the Lord. Yes. 
And Naaman would have to submit to what seemed to be a humiliation. He would have to submit to it. Now, I don't know about you, but I've talked, spoken to many people over the years of the Lord. From the rich people to the poor people. And they all have one big issue. They're all full of pride. Nobody wants to bow the knee. They would climb Kilimanjaro. They would do great feats of work to work their way out of their problem. And therefore boast that they got themselves into the problem. But I got myself out of the problem. Like a Frank Sinatra Christianity. I did it my way. No friends, your way has led you to where you are today. Your way has brought you into a pit. And you, what do you want to do? Do you want another 30 years of your own way? Is that what you want? The solutions of yesterday never fixed your problem. And you think you can go on with bad solutions? No. There needs to be a God moment in your life. Yes. There needs to be a humbling of yourself. There needs to be a bowing of the knee. There needs to be that. The intellect of man needs to bow to the superiority of God. And you need to know your pay grade. Way above you. As far as the heavens are above the earth. You can try like the pimple on the behind of an elephant. Study the elephant. It doesn't work, friends. He's far bigger than you. He's far bigger than me. Yet in his mercy, he comes and knocks at the door. Of a man that didn't deserve it. An enemy of God. A man that had put to the sword many of the people of God. Who had raided in towns and villages. The mercy of God, friends. The Bible says while we were still sinners, while we cursed his name, while we defiled him, Christ died for us. While we were enemies with God, not while we were friends. Oh no, friends, when nothing but bitterness and, 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 and all forms of ominous in our lives against him, God sent forth his son into this world to, to seek and to save that which is lost, for the Son of Man has not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, should be, he says, should be saved. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but it's always a great gospel. No matter how many times you declare it or hear it, friends, something rises in your heart and says, oh my God, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, amen, that saved a wretch like me. I want to tell you, friends, it's like anything. You can't help an alcoholic until he acknowledges he's an alcoholic. And you can't help a sinner until he acknowledges he's a sinner. And you can't help a leper until he says, I am a leper and I can't be healed unless God touches me. Naaman would have to suffer a humiliation and so the word comes through the door. Elisha doesn't even come out. The man comes up there with his entourage and his chariots and his talents of gold and silver and the letter and all the pomp and ceremony. You know, friends, it, this is no small caravan. This is the commander of the hosts of Syria, the larger and militarily stronger nation. And he's here at the door of Elisha, some rinky-dinky little house with probably a little rinky-dinky door knocks in it. And the prophet doesn't even come out. Oh, I thought that God would... I thought that God would have answered my prayer by now. How many of us come knocking on the door of heaven and think all of a sudden we should have an apparition? That God should just leave everything and boom, appear to you. Wow, well, you think high of yourself, don't you? He's your Aaron boy. Click your fingers when it suits you and he's meant to be there. And live your life indifferent in sin, in spiritual squalor, far from the presence of God. And now because you're in need, he should come running. Oh, and I tell you, friends, there is an arrogance in the prideful man that needs to be humiliated. 
It needs to bow the knee and it needs to come a time in your life. If you haven't already, it needs to come to today where you begin to see your sin before God at your lepers, you're outside the door and he has no absolute right to have to come out and meet you. You have no right for an audience with him, yet by his grace, he sends you his word. The word became flesh, the Bible says, and it dwelt among us. And we beheld the glory of him. And yet, it humbled our thinking. It just doesn't look right. Who's this wreath out, this, growing out of the dry ground? Who's this, who's this uh, the voice in the wilderness? Who is this born of a virgin? <laughs> Tell us another one. And he came full of grace and truth and preaching the word of God and revealing the love of the Father. And it would subjugate, it would humiliate, and it would cause every religious and non-religious knee to bow. For at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. Amen. And here he comes, and the word comes through the door. Gehesia comes out and says, <clears throat> by the way, it's a type of the Holy Spirit. Go and wash seven times in the Jordan, and your skin will be made well. And of course, this man is indignant. He's indignant. He's indignant. Nobody came out. Surely he would have sent out a Pentecostal preacher who would have waved his hand over the spot. Oh, Shumbabakara! Animation, that's what will bring the healing. I'm not against animation, I really not. But I want to tell you, I know, I know when it's staged. And I know when it comes from a euphoric place in a man's heart because he feels victory. And I know when it's contrived and you just do it for the team. Oh... No, he just simply came out, friends. I want to tell you, the simple application of the word is enough. You don't need the drama. You don't need the drama. If the drama comes because it's natural, so be it. Praise God for it. I love animation, but I want to tell you, I want a word from the Lord more than animation. I thought he would have come out and waved his hand and done some sort of ceremony. And he tells me to the stinking river of Jordan. I thought the river of Damascus, far better, Banna, and the far, far river. Far more beautiful. And they are. They're bigger and they're better and they're clearer waters. He sends me to this stream. Go into there and, and seven times and he's infuriated. It's amazing when you hear the gospel for the first time. It actually infuriates you. Come on. You try to tell me that simple faith in God is enough. Someone in Feed Cork came to me. One of our, one of our volunteers. Lovely, lovely lady. I won't give a name obviously. And she said, Pastor Nick, can you just tell me what's the difference between Christianity and Catholicism, because she's still talk, stuck in that area. So I began to talk, not just about Catholicism, because they're all the same. All religions are the same. It's just a different form of ritual. That's all it is. But it's all you working with a ritual to get yourself better. It's all self-help. It's all you becoming a better you through rituals and systems, friends. But I want to tell you, Christianity is diametrically different because it says they're all wrong. Christ comes to you. That's the gospel. He comes down because you can't ascend, so he comes down. And that's the difference. And all he says of you is to trust me. And this is what happened. Thank God for Naaman's um, his, uh, his number two who was with him, his servant. And said, my master, if the, ma if, the, if, if the prophet had told you to do something mighty, would you not have gone and done it? You're a man of valor. But how much more would he say something simple? Yeah. Yeah. I can still think Naaman is just caught in your banner and the far, far, far nice. Maybe I'll just go and do it there. You can't do it your way. It's not any river. It's the river of Christ, friends. Amen. There's no other streams of life. No matter how beautiful they look, I want to tell you, friends, the Abana means stony, and the Farfar River means disappointed and divided.
bring to nothing. And I want to tell you, every other stream, every other river that you try to drink from, you're going to thirst again. But Jesus said, whoever drinks of me will never thirst again. And you may be drinking from the streams of this world, from their pubs and their discos, and from their their materialism and their money, and their drive for life and power, friends. It will make your heart stony. It will divide you. It will bring you to nothing. But you you go to the Jordan. You go to the Calvary, friends. You go to the cross that the blood still flows for you. Still it flows, as the old song says. Still it flows as rich as ever. Still it flows from my Savior's wounded side. Hallelujah. And so he has to break that idea that I can take a bit of God's word and I can still do it a bit in my way. No, friends, the word of the Lord, it's all his way. I want to tell you that Christianity is not something to be hybrided. When you hybrid Christianity, you get Catholicism. When you hybrid Christianity, you get Protestantism. When you hybrid it, you get all forms of, uh, uh, it not, does not look like Christ. It looks like Frankenstein. Yes. The head of this and the arm of this and the leg of something else, friends. And it's hideous. And its consequences are hideous. And it has no power to deliver, no power to heal. Why do you think the masses of our country, the most of them owning a main line religion, why are they so far? Why are they so broken, friends? Because they're drinking from the Abana and they're drinking from the far, far river. And Christ says, come on to me, all you who are labored and the heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Keep it simple. Stupid. They call it the KISS model, K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. Thank God, God made it simple. Because not many of you are from noble backgrounds, Paul says. Not many of you were highly educated. Not many of you came from the powerhouses. But God took the lowly things of this world to confound the wise. Thank God it's not by intellect we enter the kingdom. Thank God it's not by intellectual value. For those of you who sit back there with your PhDs, God bless you and I think it's great. I, I want all of you to get a PhD and an MAD if you want as well. On top of that, it's not going to get you closer to heaven. It's a great achievement. I don't want to undervalue um, education. I'm not saying that. But I want to tell you, you put your trust in that. You're just like Naaman. Life is draining from your body. You can spit down and despise it. Oh, it's not intellectual enough. Oh, I don't know. Does it pass the, 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 the scientific tests? You can sit back and tell you, you're the one that's dying in your leprosy. I'm the one that's free today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm the one that's forgiven. <laughs> I don't have much of this world's wealth, friends. But I want to tell you, I have a heaven that I'm going to. I have a God in heaven that supplies my every need. That is with me in the darkest night. God will bring to naught every river that flows through our lives until we humble ourselves and come to the very fountain of life. How often does the pride of man rebel against the simple provision of God? The gospel involves nothing that is our own, attributes no glory to self. That is the very purpose of the gospel. Where then is the boasting? It is excluded. When Christ is not extolled, friends. The cry from men is, have we not got the rivers of the Abana and the Far Far? Yeah. Well, where were they during COVID-19? Where are they going to be, friends, when not just more pestilence breaks out upon this world? The very scientific fraternity that you put your confidence in is destroying you. Yeah. Oh, they're manufacturing the viruses and the bombs. Some put their trust in chariots. And some put their trust in horses. But the Bible says we shall put our trust in the name of our God. God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. If you want to be saved, if you want to be healed, if you want to be restored, why quarrel with the simplicity? That's what I say. The simpler, the better. Surely that's the thing for us to remind ourselves how simple this life is, how simple the gospel is. We be just simple church, my Sarah Cork Church, and I thank God for that. Amen. Amen. How much more men would, men would be willing to do some great thing or to obtain peace with God. But how much more when he says, wash and be clean. So many are seemingly offended by the simplicity of the gospel. They feel like they're being treated like children when you ask them to believe in the crucified and risen Savior. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, verse 3, unless you become like a little child, you will never receive the kingdom. There is that humiliation, that, that humbling of yourself. The cross levels the ground for everybody, young and old, rich and poor, friends. It levels it for all. But oh, when you take Christ at his word, wash and be clean. When you come to that fountain, all things become new, friends. All things become new. New convictions reverse old prejudices. Naaman was filled with gratitude, filled with joy. I want to tell you, shouts of joy and victory reside in the camp of the righteous of the Lord. Oh, praise this wonderful name today. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. And Naaman comes up in that water. His flesh is like to have a child. It's renewed. He's going to be able to go into beauty adverts at the age of 100. He's going to look fantastic. L'Oreal and everybody, Nivea is going to want him to model their skin products because this man is so new, friends. Something happened in him, and the gratitude overwhelms his heart, friends. Hallelujah. Praise God. Gratitude is most manifest in those who have received great mercies from God. Salvation awakens joy. Gratitude prompts consecration, not to acquire salvation, but because of it. Hallelujah. Naaman is a new creature. He has a testimony. And he, well, he starts to testify straight away. I want to tell you, when I lead people to the Lord, I always say, no, you need to thank God for saving you. It's the first thing you do after asking Christ into your life. The first thing you do is say, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you that I'm a son or a daughter of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you start to, gratitude fills your heart. You want to tell others, show others. You want to give of your substance, of yourself. You want to show to the world that the life has come to you. That's the evidence of salvation. Naaman is a new creature. He has a testimony. Now he says, behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Hallelujah. 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 Maybe, maybe you've been knocking on the door and he hasn't come out with a big stupid smile to greet you but kept you waiting there. And the simplicity is the best. Come to the fountain again. Come to Calvary. Come and lay your burdens down at the feet of Christ. Don't, don't take them away. Some of you came here this morning. It was a wonderful altar time. You came brokenhearted. And don't take your broken heart back to your house this morning. Take the new heart. Take the heart of God, the reassurances of Christ. Hallelujah. Don't nurse 
your ailment and, and making it to some sort of strange affection in your life. You ever, you know, you know people like that, don't you? They're, they're always caught in their trauma. Well, the latest tablet they're on, the latest therapy they're in. I got another injection last week. I was into another shrink. I went to another self-help group as one after another after another, nursing their problem all their life, friends. Hallelujah. Instead of coming to the fountain of life, leaving your burden down there and saying, I am who God says I am. Hallelujah. I am who God says I am. Mary Connors, one of our Sunday school teachers, she's down there. Maybe she's in here this morning. One of her daughters was getting bullied in school. And because I'm from traveling background, she's getting a bit of slack for that. But they're wonderfully saved. And uh, the child started to pray for the, for the other child that was giving her a hard time, bullying her. And on the way home in the bus, she said to the mom, she said, I pray now. She started praying for this other kid. And then during the prayer, she said, I am who I am. Because the uh, great I am says who I am. <laughs> I often find that very cryptic, but the child caught it. I am who I am. So I, I'm getting the words. Am I getting the words right for that? I am who I am because the I am tells me, tells me who I am. And all of a sudden, this child knows who she is. And you need to know who you are. And you're not a beggar. You've been forgiven. Son and daughter. And you don't have a closed door in front of you now, friends, because that door is open in the veil of Christ's body. And you have right of access to walk in. You don't need to be knocking outside the door. You need to walk into the presence of God and lay your burden down. And walk away with confidence that he's hurt you. Maybe you need healing. Healing for your soul, for your body. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Would you stop thinking about your trauma and lay it down at the feet of Jesus? There comes a time, friends, where you can, you can add more gray hair or less hair to your head by your worrying. But you can just say, I am leaving this at the feet of Christ. And you have to, it, 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 it is a Esther moment. If I die, I die. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I'm not going to be able to fix it. Nobody else can. I have confidence that if I give it to him, if I don't get the solution I want, I get something that's better. Hallelujah. That's the reality. If you don't get the solution you want, yes. as a Christian, you're going to get something better. Hallelujah. Can you believe that? Yes. Above and beyond what you can ask or think. Can you approach faith, your faith that way this morning? Yes. Above and beyond. Anyone who comes to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast them out. Believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Praise keep believing. Yes. I said, keep believing. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. He has earned it, friends. Amen. Uh, the hymn writer, no more we doubt thee, glorious Prince of life. Hallelujah. Life is not without yes. thee. Aid us in our strife. Amen. Make us more as conquerors through thy deathless love. Lead us safe. To where? To where? Jordan. Hallelujah. That's the place I stepped into as a young boy of 11 or 12 years of age. I stepped into the Jordan. And he cleaned me. And he healed me of my leprosy. And he restored my soul. And maybe you are here or maybe you're watching. And you've never given your life to the Lord. You are every bit like Naaman. Whether you're prosperous or not, whether you're a captain of an army or not, you're like him. Because in your flesh is working death right now. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and oh, to give you more abundantly. Amen. And if you would simply humble yourself and bow the knee 
I want to tell you like that little girl did. There is a God in Israel that can heal you. There is a bomb in Gilead that heals the sin-sick soul, friends. And that bomb, that penelial substance of healing virtue and quality can come and meet you right now at your point of need, physically, mentally, emotionally, but most importantly, spiritually. Will you stand this morning with me as we close the service this morning? I'm going to pray. We're going to pray this morning. We're going to finish the service with prayer. I want to pray for those who are watching online. As many thousands are watching our services online, friends. Thousands of people. 7,000 people last week watched our services online. So there's somebody out there watching. And it's here. You're here today and there's no mistakes about you being here. You know who you are. You've always sensed the presence of God. You knew he was watching but he watched some ways from a distance because you never opened the door. You never humbled yourself. You never, with your mouth, confessed him. You never repented of your sin. You never even admitted to your sin. You never even admitted that you'd, everybody else needed salvation but you. Oh, they need to change, and she needs to change, and he needs to change, and my parents need to change. Then you're the one that needs salvation. You're the one dying of leprosy. Why don't you give your life to the Lord? Why don't you humble yourself as Naaman did? Step into the river of Christ. And be healed today. And Christian, there is a provision for you. There's a provision for you. That you can come and ask. And bring your burden to the Lord. Hallelujah. Close your eyes, everyone. Bow your heads. There may be one person here in court church this morning. Maybe one. And, and you're here and you've never given your life to the Lord. You've never truly been saved. You've never been born again. You want to be born again today? Just raise your hand. Only you and I will know. I, I won't have anyone in any way embarrass you. I won't be asking you to dip into the River Lee seven times. Come on. Is there one this morning here that wants to give your life to the Lord? Truly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe there's someone online this morning. Maybe it's tonight by the time you're watching it. I don't know where in the world you are, but we're going to pray for you. I have a church full of believers here, which is really phenomenal. But maybe you're watching online. We're going to pray. Core Church is going to pray for you. We don't know you, but one day we'll all have a conversation in heaven how this moment was the moment that you became a Christian and your leprosy departed and you were made right with God. And we would have a great cup of tea or coffee in heaven one day and you're going to tell me. Core Church, let's pray for those thousands of people that are watching, the souls that are trolling, try to find a meaning of life. This is what you need to pray. You need to ask the Lord. You need to ask him for forgiveness. Come into your life. And then you need to thank him. Dear Lord Jesus. I feel your presence. I sense that you're drawing me. And now I'm ready, Lord, to humble myself. I've been offside all of my life. I've been, I am a sinner. I've wrecked havoc. And I am so sorry. Would you please forgive me? Would you come into my life and save me? Make me a child of God. I give you my life. Now, Father, will you give me his life? In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer, even if there's someone here and you didn't feel comfortable to raise your hand, next thing you need to do is to lift up your hands to this, like this. And thank the Lord for hearing you. 
For surely God has been good to Israel, even to those who've been far off. God is good to you this morning. Now begin to praise him. Christian, where you are, raise your hands and bless the Lord for your salvation this morning. Come on, just shout in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.